A few weeks ago, just kind of looking ahead and preparing for the series of Sunday Masses, uh, especially as we reflect on the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, was kind of looking and, you know, preparing, like I've been saying, like, how are we going to kind of let this unfold? And you could see, all of a sudden there on the horizon, when we get to the fifth Sunday, we're going to be reflecting on the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, kind of when you hit the big punchline, so to speak, of the sixth chapter, we have to take a break and celebrate the solemnity of the Assumption of our Blessed Mother. And I got to say, at first, it was like, oh, man, like the way that it fell, it's kind of too bad. However, God in his good providence knows exactly what he's doing. And the reason why we kind of take a break from the norm this Sunday is just because of how big this feast day is. In fact, it's so big, we don't even just call it a feast day. This is called a solemnity. And it's one of those that's so big that when it falls on a Sunday like this, and sorry to use card playing terms, but it trumps the normal Sunday. So we don't have the normal 20th Sunday of ordinary time. We take a step back and enter into the solemnity. In fact, it's so big that the readings for Mass last night at the vigil were different than the readings for today because there's so many aspects to meditate upon as we look at the solemnity of the Assumption of Mary, body and soul into heaven. And I'll tell you, it's interesting when you look at the church's choices for readings, considering the first reading last night and the first reading today from the book of Revelation. I mean, notice this opening line from the first reading. God's temple in heaven was opened and the ark of his covenant could be seen in the temple. Okay, And then last night, the first reading was from the first book of Chronicles, and it talked about David assembling all of Israel and Jerusalem to bring the ark of the Lord to the place which he had prepared for it. And it goes on to describe the great joy and singing and dancing and all these things as they bring the ark of the covenants into Jerusalem. And it's interesting that as we celebrate Mary going into heaven, both first readings talk about the Ark of the Covenant. And why is that? You know, I mean, I don't know if you kind of picture the Ark of the Covenant. My mind goes right to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Because when I was growing up, I was a little bit more, I spent more time with Steven Spielberg than I did with the sacred word of God. It's a fault, I apologize, but there you have it. And so it's like I'm thinking about, you know, there is the Ark of the Covenant, sort of like at the end of the movie. And yet, to have it in here, why is the church giving us the Ark of the Covenant a couple of different times? Well, when you think about what the Ark of the Covenant was, right? The presence of God in the midst of the people as they went through the desert. I mean, as, they, as the Israelites are out in the desert, they get the instructions on making the Ark of the Covenant. They use that precious acacia wood. It's all covered in gold. You have the cherubim on top, and the presence of God rests on top there. And inside of the Ark of the Covenant, you know, it's kind of like this big, beautiful rectangular box, and inside were three things that brought about, you know, brought to mind the presence of God. One were the tablets of the law that God had written out, you know, the Ten Commandments. There they are in the Ark of the Covenant. There's also the staff of Aaron, the high priest. And finally, there was a jar of manna, the heavenly bread. So that's what they're taking with them, and they would even take it into battle sometimes. And at one point, it's captured by the Philistines. They can't handle it. It comes back. Then eventually, they bring the Ark of the Covenant you know, into Jerusalem. It's going to go into the temple. And there's all this joy and dancing. And in fact, 
For a while, it was held outside of Jerusalem in the hill country of Judea. We'll come back to that in a second. So they come in, and then eventually, when the Babylonian captivity takes place in the 6th century BC, the prophet Jeremiah apparently took the ark and hid it to make sure that it didn't get taken away. And if you've ever done this yourself, it's like, oh, I don't want to lose this. I'm going to hide it and put it in a special place. And then you can never find the thing again, right? And so it is lost to history. But the fact of the matter is, it's not just lost. Today, we celebrate the fulfillment. When you look at the first reading today and continue on, right? So God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant could be seen in the temple. Next line. A great sign appeared in the sky. A woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars. The new Ark of the Covenant is our Blessed Mother. Think about what she contained, what she carried within her. The Word of God Himself, Jesus Christ, God incarnate. Think about those three things that were in the Ark of the Covenant. The tablets of the law, the way, the truth, and the life. Now we have the one who calls himself the way, the truth, and the life incarnate in our Blessed Mother, that priestly staff of Aaron. Jesus is the great high priest. You look at Holy Thursday when he offers himself up in the Eucharist, and you see him offer himself up on the cross on our behalf. And also, as we've gone through the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, you think about the jar of manna, the bread from heaven, He is the true bread that has come down from heaven, the bread of life. Here's Mary, the new Ark of the Covenant. More powerful than what you see in the Old Testament. More powerful than in Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? It's so much more than just a, and I don't mean any disrespect, the Ark of the Covenant's incredible. It's so much more, though, than just that symbol. She is the fulfillment the God-bearer who today, we celebrate the fact that she was assumed into heaven, body and soul. And there she is, as we sang in the response oil psalm, standing at your right hand. She is in heaven, interceding for us, loving us from heaven. And remember this, what, is she, what does Jesus say from the cross to the beloved disciple? He says, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And if St. John wrote that, right? He didn't say, I, John. You know, he, say, he said, the beloved disciple, allowing for each and every one of us to be in that place as we are beloved by God. As he says to us, son, daughter, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. Behold your daughter. And when you think about the way that parents love their children, right? I know I keep bringing her up because she's the holy one in the family. But my sister, she's got six little guys. And it's not as though she just, she just like looks at them as a mass, right? Like, there's my kids, and then just kind of moves on. No, she loves Daisy and David, Thomas, Matthew, John, Peter, and Liam, each individually, in their own way. As a mother loves each of her children individually, my friends, the Blessed Mother does the same for you and for me from heaven. And there she is right now, interceding on our behalf, wanting what is absolutely best for us to be in love with her son, to rejoice with him forever. I mean, think about intercession. We do it for each other. One of the best examples of intercession I've got, 
It's corny, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. So when I was in college and I worked in Anheuser-Busch, there were a lot of wonderful perks, but not just free beer. We got, every year, 12 passes to SeaWorld and Busch Gardens. And there was one year, my family and I were going down to Tampa for vacation. And my supervisor, Glenn, who's a very kind man, who used to work at SeaWorld down in Florida, he made a call for us as we were going down there to the penguin exhibits. And my family and I got to go behind the scenes onto the ice and literally play with penguins. And let me tell you what, it was awesome. Like, I didn't know how cool penguins were. Did you know that they're fluffy? I just always assumed like it would feel like a fish, but it didn't, it was great. Now. We wouldn't have gotten to do this if Glenn had not interceded on our behalf, right? Now, Glenn is a great guy. Unfortunately, I can't remember his last name. I may make a call later on. He's a really good guy, and he got us in there, right? But so much better than Glenn is our blessed mother. She's in heaven. She wants so much more for us than to just get to play with penguins. She wants us to be saints. And right now, she intercedes on our behalf. And as we ask for that help, she's happy to give it. With great honors come great responsibilities. And look at what she says. When Elizabeth cries out in that greeting, you know, blessed are you among women, blessed is the fruit of your womb, Mary goes into her beautiful speech, the Magnificat, and immediately, it's not like, you're right, I'm awesome, let's go have a seat. No, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She glories in the glorification of God. She wants all of us to participate in this. She intercedes on our behalf to give us what we need to be with her for all eternity. And so on this day, we celebrate the fact that she is there, body and soul, with her son, interceding on our behalf that we too might become saints. Now, my friends, I want to share with you one kind of practical thing. As you know, uh, we're about to start our next debt reduction campaign. Hooray, you know? Um, debt reduction campaigns are not super exciting. However, we have an amazing place. In the midst of this is the Eucharist. In the midst of this is our continual love of our Blessed Mother. And as we are getting ready for this new campaign, we're trying to look at, okay, what's going to be different than the last three years? And as we kind of discussed a few things, we said, you know what? I think we need a new prayer. The old one, eh, it wasn't that great. I don't really like the author's writing, right? And it felt like it went on for nearly 180 years, okay? So we thought, let's go for something different this time. And when I was on uh, that priest retreat this summer, uh, one of the priests gave a beautiful homily all about the Blessed Mother, and he talked about a great prayer, which I know, but he just gave some really beautiful insights. It's a prayer called the Memorare. That's right, he got it handed to you on the way in today. And you notice that the picture, we didn't have to get a copyright thing because it's one of my favorite statues in the world, which is right over here to my right, Our Lady of Fatima, right? And it's so beautiful, and there she is. In this Memorare, the tradition is that it was written by St. Bernard of Clairvaux back in the 13th century. And there was another priest in the 18th century, uh, Father Claude Bernard, who really popularized this prayer. And also, and this is the one I really love, it was a favorite of Mother Teresa. And the story that this priest told was that when she was founding the Missionaries of Charity, and she arrived in Calcutta, she knew all this work she had to do, but they didn't have a building. They needed a place to work out of. So Mother Teresa said, this is what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to pray 85,000 memorares. Now, don't know why she said 85,000, but that's what she was going to do. And after a day, she realized, I can't do this by myself. 85,000 memorares takes a long time. So she got a lot of people praying with her. By the time they got to 50,000, they had what they needed. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start praying the memorare as our prayer for this specific intention of our debt reduction. And we're going to pray it after the St. Michael prayer at all the masses, okay? And the beautiful thing about this is, is we know, I mean, we're getting closer. There's good things happening. Someday, we will go out front and we will burn the debt note, right? Like, it'll all be done. We're going to follow the rules. You know, we'll be reverent and we won't burn the church down. But we're going to burn, you know, the note of the debt. It'll be wonderful, okay? But this is the beautiful thing. The memorare, we, as it says at the beginning of this prayer, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, we're calling to mind who she is, where she is, what she wants. She wants it all to work out for us. She wants us to love her son. And as we say remember to her, we remember ourselves, that we have a powerful intercessor in heaven. We have our blessed mother, the God-bearer, the one who carried Jesus Christ, the one who shows us how to be a perfect disciple at the foot of the cross, the one who is free from sin, the one who loves you and loves me. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, as we continue through our life, as we have plenty of needs, as we continue on to strive to pay off the debt, we'll say to our blessed mother and to ourselves at the end of every Mass, thinking about her, Remember, praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.